Hello everyone, welcome to episode 14 of the Shed Envy podcast. My name is Gareth McCullough. And I'm Ali McKenzie. And that uh, young whippersnapper down there is no, no other than Ray Byrne. Welcome, Ray. Hi, Ray. So, um, we'll get a, a yarn about, about Nuri later, um, but we want to start with uh, your sort of career. Um, I think Ali's got a sort of an opening, an opening question for you. Yeah, Ray, obviously, you know, you were brought up in around the time then. Did you, like, were you a fan of the club before you eventually ended up playing for them, or what was your kind of first memories of the showgrounds and of Nuri Town then? Yeah, my first memories, uh, probably in my teenage years, around 85, 86, probably around 14, 15 years of age at the time, uh, going to watch uh, the local team, big crowds down, and uh, definitely remember going to watch Nuri play in the semi-final of the Irish Cup, I think it was 85, 86, uh, Matt Bradley was the manager, uh, local players like Tommy Gray, Ollie Ralph, Paddy Lundy, um, so many good players that you know that this is before the days of Sky TV and all that you that you look forward to seeing. You know they were your they were your idols that you that you thought it was just a fantastic league that you wanted to be part of. And I mean, from then, from a football perspective, to what age were you when you broke into the first team and? How how your debut come about and who was it against? Well, I remember uh, Artie Green was the youth manager down in Uri. I think that was probably 89, 90. So it would have been 16, 17, 18, 16, 17. And uh, we were playing on the youth team. And uh, we a very good team. Back then, uh, Darren was playing. We had uh, Marty O'Hanlon, Colin McGurk. Uh, I think Jackie McParland might have been involved as well at the time. So a lot of young lads all playing. And, hold, on, uh, hold, on, hold, hold on a second. Pause here. You, you contradicted yourself when you said we had a very good team and then you said Jackie McParland was part of it. So can you can you clarify that? Well, well, I don't think he played an awful lot. He may have been just, he may have been just helping out, you know, the water carrier or something like that. <laughs> but, but, he was, but he was definitely part of the setup, And, uh, you know, we had, we had a great the Newry uh, under 18, so it was the Irish League under 18. Uh, so uh, I think we ended up finishing about third or fourth that year. So we had a good, a good bunch of uh, players, and uh, you know, uh, it was great team spirit as well. You know, we're at that age, 16, 17. Everybody was starting to go out. We were all part of the same squad, and uh, there were good times. But come the end of that season, I think about three, four games towards the end of the season called into the first team and uh, ended up going to Winter Park. Uh, didn't get on the bench or anything like that, but just just got a feel of the place, just got a feel of being on the on the bench and the dugouts and all and uh, was involved for the last three or four games of that uh, season. Uh, I think I got some one but never got on. Come uh, pre season then went back down pre season and uh, Lucky enough, got involved with the first team straight away, just straight into their training, and uh, got involved in all the pre-season games. And uh, remember, we played West Brom uh, during that pre-season, or beat three one big crowds at the showgrounds, you know. So, come the first game of the season, uh, I ended up not starting. So, four games in, uh, still didn't start, and the fifth game started, and the rest of the history, I suppose, I guess. I get in and stayed in. And I mean, how? So you moved, that was 19, that was the 1990, 91 season, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yep. And 
you moved to Forest in 1991. So, I mean, how that, that rise sort of, you know, to go from breaking into the first team and then being signed to play under Brian Clough, how does that happen? I mean, that was that's a, that's the epitome of a whirlwind, a whirlwind sort of uh, you know period of time, really, for you, isn't it? Well, it seems to be looking back at it, you know, when when you were living in it, 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 you know, it just seemed to be normal enough. Like when when I did first get into the uh, the first team, I think we played about 23, 24 games in a row, and at the end of the February of ninety one, then and just got a phone call on the Sunday morning from Matt Bradley saying. Uh, going trial next week over the forest so uh ended up going over uh on the on the sunday night uh went in the train on the monday morning and like these are the days uh this is 1991 I, i'd never been on an airplane before you know never been out of the country no passport no nothing so uh it seems like a such a long time ago but you know you're getting you've been driven in the 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 First team car park at uh, the city ground, and the first person you see is Steve Hodge, and the, you, mm. you see these players. Uh, like I remember these players from '86 World Cup and the 1990 World Cup, and you're looking at Steve Hodge and played against Maradona in the in the '86 quarter final. Uh, we fun fact: he actually has his jersey from the '86 quarter final. Yeah, so uh, so you're seeing Steve Hodge, and you're going, wow. This is unbelievable here. So ended up training that morning, and uh, you're told straight away, or oh, the, the reserves are going to Villa uh, Park tonight. You're going to be involved with them tonight. So ended up going down to Villa Park and uh, started centre half that night, and uh, we won the game one 0 And then three days later, uh, you're playing against Darlington away. And on the Thursday morning, you're signing a three and a half year contract. That's and not. Thursday afternoon, you're flying back to Newry. And uh, Thursday afternoon, you're flying back to Newry. And you're home for a week to sort out. Like I used to apologize in the tech, you know, so you're, you're sorting out your bits and pieces. And the following Sunday, you were flying back to Nallion for, for a three and a half year stint. Well, Ray, Perfectly it all happened. Just to, to make you feel a good bit older, this was early 1991. So I was, only born, born, I was only born in the May 1991. But I was going to say, right, like, what were you then? 17, 18 then? Or I was 18. Man, you were 18. Before. So what was it like, you know, people obviously move abroad for university and that, but what was it like moving abroad to be a professional footballer? And considering you probably hadn't left Newry, you said at that time you hadn't been on an airplane, and then all of a sudden you're moving country, you're signed for a new team, and you've got like Brian Clough has won two European Cups, is, is you know, is signing you. What was it? That must have been just like mind blowing at the time. Yeah, it, it was definitely, and uh, for like, especially all the young ones, uh, might might you know, be able to see back as far as 1991, but first really had the England back four at that stage, and uh, the amount, like, you sure. know, you had, you had internationals right the way throughout the team. From English, Irish, uh, you know, and then you had the the character of Brian Club there too, and uh, and the history of the club. So uh, it was really a, you know, it still is. I was over there recently. Of course, still a big club, big aspirations, and uh, it's a sleeping giant, really, isn't it? At the minute, 
it's just like leaves. You know, you can just see there's there, like this year there was a buzz about the place, the, the feeling that that they were able to do something, and uh, well, it's not it's all been cut short a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's a fantastic club, and uh, you know we had such great players: Stuart Pearce, uh, Des Walker, Brian Laws, Gary Charles. That was virtually the England back four at that at that stage, you know. So uh, it was a fantastic time. I mean, in terms of, I suppose, what people will be interested to know. Um, so we'll we'll obviously have to, I have to ask you, um, Roy King. Obviously, a, a, a player who you trained with, played with, and, and and know pretty well, got to know pretty well back in the day. I mean, what was give us a sort of your first impressions of him? I suppose, and and how I suppose how how what the relationship you had with him? I suppose. Well, uh, when when I went over for the trial, I met him for about five minutes. And he just said hello, and, and uh, uh, very little, very, just a wee bit of small conversation, you know. But uh, when when I came home and I came back over again, uh, I was told I was going to the clubhouse. It was a small terraced house just beside the training ground, and uh, was ready. Roy was already in it. Plus another lad, Gary Boyer, uh, Father Ian Boyer, European Cup winner. So there was. Uh, so I was told I was going straight into that house. So I was the third person within the, the small three-bedroom terraced house. So uh, so he picked me up at the airport on the Sunday night. And uh, you're waking up on the Monday morning and you're ready to go. Like at that stage, Roy was already uh, a superstar in the making. You know, he was already in the first team. He was uh, the hottest young prop, uh, prospect that there was about the place. And, uh, you know, there was, like there was a buzz about him, you know, everywhere you went, you know. So uh, he was. Uh, he was really good, good lad, really good lad. I mean, from a from a football perspective, I mean, obviously, you were there for a few years um, at Forest, and it didn't. So, I suppose it didn't. No, I don't want to say it didn't work out. That's probably being harsh, but in terms of you know, you ended up sort of going somewhere else and then coming back home. I mean, do you look back at it? Was there was there anything, any things that you would have done differently, or you hope might have happened differently that? You you could have been more even more successful than you were out of it. I'm always a great believer that uh, things happen for a reason, and probably went over like, for three and a half years. It took me about a year and a half, maybe two years, and it was around that time that I probably felt that uh, I was at the most comfortable. Uh, that I, I thought I was making progress, and then I got a couple of injuries, whatever, but. I'm not saying it's an excuse or anything like that, but at the end of the day, things work out for a reason. Uh, you know, I think my level, uh, when you look back at your whole career, was definitely at a semi-professional level. You know, uh, to, to get to that next level, I just haven't enough about me. So, uh, so, but it's not a, it's not a negative. It's a positive. Mm. You know, you have to, get, you know, you have to look at it as a great experience, and it wouldn't change it for the world. And uh, you know. You learn so much from it, and even coming back here and for the last, you know, 25, 30 years of being involved in Irish League football, you know, the amount of experience and uh, the tips that you've got, that you've learned by just watching and seeing how clubs and players conduct themselves. Uh, you know, it was a it was a great education for yourself, you know, for myself. 
Well, obviously, Ray, football was different in the 90s, like early 90s, particularly before the Premier League, compared to what it is now. But for you, moving from Irish League to that kind of standard of Nottingham Forest with the history that it had, like, what pressure did you feel maybe going in through that door? Or was there any when you're so young? Do you think about that? Or was it just another kind of something else that's no, happening? Uh, no, I don't think you feel that uh, that's a different type of pressure. Because when you go over there, as soon as you went over there, the first thing you seen was, you know, when, like, Forest were a big enough club at the time, and I'm sure it has multiplied so, so, so much to the day. But you're going over there, and straight away, there was 70 players involved in every training session. So split into three or four different groups, you know, from the first team to the reserve, the youth teams, whatever like that. So what you noticed straight away was, you know, like, I, I was going over there as an 18-year-old, but there was, there was six or seven uh, 17 to 21 year olds all working for the same positions you know all uh, all had the same aspirations all had different things to bring to the table you know so so it was it was very competitive straight away you might have been coming from Uri where where uh, you know you broke into the first team here and you know you were doing quite well uh, and then you go over there and all of a sudden there's six or seven that's that's not even at the first team level yet, but they're all they're all aiming and gearing for the same position. And you can see now, you know, when you when you hear the likes of Chelsea put up 70, 80 players out on loan, that tells you how many players there you know there are at each club. Just just on that, sorry, Ray. Like you know, so many people in the same position. Are you or were you one of those people who'd be like, okay, I'm going to be better than every single one of these, or did you find that difficult in any way? You know, facing that competition. Say, yeah, I would say I found it difficult initially to start with, and uh, then you start to get the feel for it. As I say, it could have took you maybe a year and a half, two years to find your feet over there. You know, it's uh, some people can get into it very quickly. All people take a wee bit longer. All people just doesn't happen for them at all. You know, I've seen people getting signed for big monies, and all of a sudden they just go nowhere. You know, and you've even seen it in Irish league or ourselves. You know, so, uh, you can you can have. You can have a player that signs and uh, he surprises you, and then you have a player you've spent big money on and he disappoints you. You know, so uh, so the competition is very high over there. And like even there recently, I was over went over to watch Forest. Went to watch Notts County and Dover in the in the Conference League, and then I went to watch Bradford and Grimsby Town, and uh, there's just so many more players. It's so much more competitive over there. It's, uh, but it is what it is. It's, uh, it's uh, if it works out, and there's lots of local lads as well that you know that have done better than me and stayed over there. Uh, you know, so if you if you are successful, it's, it's a fantastic way of life. I mean, looking at then, I mean, I suppose we're nearly doing this in chronological order. So, sort of, when you come back, um, you obviously had a couple of more a couple other spells with with Nuri and finish your career with Nuri but in between time in between times obviously your most successful period as a player with Portadown um I mean Portadown as much as it pains me to say it are 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 still are still a massive club um yeah. you know back in those days you know particularly in the in the in the 90s they were they were huge and it was you know a lot of big names a lot of big players Ronnie McFall obviously was there hugely successful around that sort of time Probably around that decade, you had the likes of yourself, Robbie Casey, Marty McGee, Mickey Keenan, uh, Joey Cunningham, 
um, just to name a few. I mean, what was... What, I appreciate that Portadown is probably the closest club to Dunyuri. It's probably the closest club in terms of geography in Northern Ireland. But why were there so many... There's so many great players to come out of Dunyuri that end up playing for Portadown and being hugely, hugely successful at Portadown and probably not having that same amount of success at their hometown club. Can you, is there one particular reason or something you would pinpoint that as? Well, well just personally for myself now, uh, I remember uh, it was different when I left in 91, but uh, when I left again in 95, uh, July or August of 95, uh, nearly were, were financially in trouble. You know, it's not a, it's not a, a new story, you know, it's, it, it's the history of Uri were, were financially in trouble and uh, Porter Down had uh, made an offer for me. So uh, I was quite happy playing at Uri and I was doing quite well. So uh, Porter Down made an offer and uh, the club had accepted it. And uh, I was, you know, you weren't being told, but, you know, Uri needed the money. Yeah. But on the flip side of that also, I really wanted to move too, you know, because. Uh, Ford Brown uh, had, had a great history in uh, 1991. Uh, you know, they were coming close in uh, 93-94 season as well. Uh, so, and the great basis of uh, the likes of Brian Strain, Alfie Stewart, Craig Davidson, uh, mm-hmm. Joey Cunningham, Mickey Keane was still there. You know, a lot of strong RC players. And then on top of that, during that summer, thing, Gary Hillock. Peter Kennedy, who went on to play in the Premiership. Uh, Robbie was already there. So, uh, you know, they had a, had a really strong squad and the opportunity was there to for me to go. And, it, you know, it suited Yuri, I think, for me to go. And it probably suited me for, uh, for me to go as well. So uh, at that stage, as you say, there was, you know, there was Robbie, there was Mickey, there was Joey, you know, Marty McGee. You know, really strong players coming out of Uri, you know, and uh, just goes to show you the history of football in Uri that these boys were, were sought after throughout the Irish League. And, uh, you know, and some of them, you know, like the Joey and the likes of Mickey, are absolute superstars of Irish League football, you know. So, uh, so you know, it was a move that I was, I was glad to make, you know, but it worked out for everybody, really, in hindsight. I mean, looking at, obviously, I mean, we'll, we'll skip a few years, I suppose. Um, you know, we're obviously doing this podcast that's on your know, city AFC. You know, there's obviously the famous picture of the Yeah, guy. that's enough about Portadown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 well, uh, yeah, for, yeah, forget about them. That's, that's yeah, con- if, if, any, if anybody's still listening. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's consign them, the dustbin. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, from, there's a famous picture, obviously, of the, I think the very first meeting uh, with the supporters, whatever the near east of the AFC was in the in its infancy very much. It hadn't even been officially formed. I think it was, it was yourself, Darren, Mickey, and uh, Eric Wilson, I think. Um, yeah. So you, know, you were one of the first ones there, you know, when you put your hand up to, to, to chip in and to volunteer to help out. I mean... Did you think, I suppose is the obvious question, did you think at that time when you're sitting in the social club, if you can hark back to that period, that the club was was going to go on and be as successful as it has been and, and hopefully can, can can continue to be in the future? Do you genuinely think there, 
we can be playing the Premiership in you know the, the period of time that we end up playing in the Premiership. Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, but uh, no, but you know, it uh, it all like you, I'm sure you remember that time, uh, and it, it definitely wasn't a good time for the club. And uh, I remember the season uh, or the club getting uh, wound up at the time and. Uh, our first priority at the time was making sure the players, you know, some of them, some of them able to move very quickly, some of them weren't able to move very quickly, some were still professional and weren't able to play football again until January the first. So it was a tough time in that respect because, like, we've all been players and we understand that uh, players need to play, you know, and first and foremost, that's the that was the first priority, and uh, it was heart wrenching for them that. That uh, they weren't able to play for Yuri, what Yuri had promised them, they weren't able to fulfil, and uh, so it was a tough time. So once that got over and done with, like nobody had ever been in the situation where they were involved with a, a club that they wound up, and what do you do, you know, and all this here. So uh, it, it near enough happened all pretty quick, and uh, we all know uh, the story about Darn and. Uh, Really, he took the ball with the horns, and I think it happened very simply. It was just in the like I could have been working away at one morning, and the next thing he's ringing me at lunchtime. He says, uh, "I'm a meeting set up here. Uh, we've got all the MLS coming down, and things are happening here." And uh, he had the drive, and he had the the energy for it, and you know, bit by bit, uh, with with a lot of hard work and uh, and Darren's leadership that. Uh, you know, you could see people were starting to uh, come around to the idea of we're going to get up and going again here. And uh, it sounds it sounds very simple in the background. Like like to be fair, I just dealt with a lot of the football inside with myself. You know, I know Darren, Mickey, especially Eric, Jock. You know, a lot of the committee people they were working so hard in behind the scenes. Uh, you know, to get things drawn up, to get to get the the club up and running again. You know, there was outstanding bills in the club and all, but but really, you know, darn, I think setting up meetings and uh, getting getting people energized around them, and uh, you know, so so uh, yeah, there were there were strange times, but good times because we all know that uh, it was the start of something new and something fresh, and uh, you, you know, uh, a year later we're out of football, but we're back in. Up all again, and uh, that was the you know, and I suppose in all our situations, you know, the first thing, especially young lads, they need to be given a place to play football, yeah. and uh, you know, especially in the in the city of Newry, you know, Newry Newry City Football Club is your your highest level of football, so so that was important, I think, even for for me and Darn and Mickey and all that young lads were given the same opportunities we were. You know, so it was important to get the put the club up and gone up and going again, and uh, yeah. So the rest is history, I suppose. Yeah, right. Just on that, obviously you're with the club when it goes under, and everything that happens after that happened. But you know, was there like a conscious decision that you made to stay with the club as opposed to thinking, well, I could just go to another club here and probably coach comfortably and not have the worries and the stress of rebuilding, of trying to get a crowd back, trying to build the club. You know. Was that ever a thought, or were you just like in it from the beginning? And that was it, or did Dan not give you a choice? 
No, well, well, unlike my playing career, where sometimes I had a few clubs interested in that, in my coaching career, it, it really didn't happen like that. So, so uh, you know, the, the phone was there, but it didn't ring. So, uh, so, so, really, so really, it was a no-brainer. So, uh, you know, to be fair to Darn, uh, he did ring. So. Is it? So, so um, yeah, I remember having plenty of conversations with you the season that we did the documentary um, and just talking to you and I know the commitment it took but from your point of view um, and the coaching and the kind of work that you do is never seen by the fans or anything like that but what kind of commitment level and what kind of effort did it take to actually keep that club moving for four or five years that you were with them coaching? You know, personally, how much effort did that take from you? Well. Well, first and foremost, uh, it was a joy. So it was to be back, and uh, even from the middle Ulster B, middle Ulster A days, and intermediate, you know, very, very enjoyable three, four years. And uh, you know, most of our games were all in around middle Ulster area, and sometimes a couple games might have been a wee bit further afield. But but we had a bunch of players. Uh, you know, sometimes the squads were pretty big, up, you know, maybe twenty of a squad, but we had a bunch of players. That uh, basically what are run through a brick wall for Darn, myself, Mickey, Jervis, Gary, you know. So it was very enjoyable from that respect because once you once you have players and uh, and a committee and a club with volunteers all in the round it that are all working hard and everybody's got the same goal at the end of it, it uh, it makes life so easy for, for the likes of Darn. You know, Mickey himself. You know, Jarvis. So, uh, in that respect, it it, it, it was enjoyable. Uh, it was fun. You know, the crack was brilliant down there. I'm sure you. You know, you know, it was a small small group of people, but uh, but really enjoyable times. And uh, you know, some great laughs and uh, mm-hmm. with the players and all. And some great nights out with the players and all because we had a bit of success. And uh, we're well celebrated, and uh, you know people coming together, and the community coming together, and also also having big crowds coming back to the showgrounds was uh, was very important because I remember when I first started off, I can remember playing in front of two and a half, three thousand people down the showgrounds, and uh, they were fantastic times, and uh, you know having big clubs coming to the showgrounds, the Linfield, the Dream Horns, you know. There was a lot of police around in them days as well at, at the games, you know, and it all added to it. But but having the crowds back to showgrounds and I think we played was it one game we played one night and there was yeah. eight hundred in it and the Ulster B, yeah. you know, fantastic and and uh, so the people in Newry really came out and uh, and uh, got behind us and uh, was pushing everybody on. So I mean, just to follow up on that, obviously you know, such a good time, you such a connection with the club. I suppose in, in in brief terms, I mean, what was the, what was it, why, I, how did the decision come about for you to sort of take a step away? Was it, obviously it was for personal reasons as well, but what, what was, what was your specific reason? Did you pick one reason why you decided to sort of knock it in the head, you know, last year, or it was 18 months ago? Um, what, what was it? Well, there was probably two reasons, two main reasons. Uh, first one, well, I worked myself. So uh, I was late up. Uh, I was finding myself being out early in the morning and getting back to the house, maybe lunch, 
for an hour or whatever, then working again and finishing at six and uh, then getting down to the club straight away, getting set up for a training all. And just some of the days were becoming too long. And I think I'd done eight years in total, you know, if you include uh, the year that Pat was the manager and then the year that we had out and then uh, yeah. I think it was five or six years with Darn. So and I found myself just getting a wee bit uh, mentally tired, basically. And uh, and on top of that, you know, you're not... I, I felt myself personally, I wasn't putting enough into, you know, the, the coaching plans and, you know... And that wasn't for that wasn't for um, the likes of Darn, wasn't for the players. Mm. So something had to give a little bit. Plus, also on top of that, I hadn't followed up on my coaching badges, and you know, so so they were the two main reasons. So, uh, yeah. so you I just think I made the right decision. Yeah, you're saying you couldn't be arsed anymore, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, it's it, it's definitely it's definitely much easier. Up in the stands, so it is. <laughs> <laughs> do, people, do people still shout a piece at you when you're in the stands, right? Oh, uops, uh, no, look, we've only got a few minutes left, so what we'll do is we do a thing with um, uh, the players that we have on, or the coaches, or whoever it is, uh, our, our top five. I'm sure you've seen it here, your five, five year teammates now. Given obviously your you know, the current players or guys the mass majority of the guys you've coached, um, but you've also obviously also played with you know, Portadown, you played with you know newer teams of, of older older days, played in Nottingham Forest obviously as well. So will that you include anybody that you've played with or coached? Um, up for to for your answers here, so it doesn't have to be specifically in your league because you've certainly been you know involved with some big name players as you already mentioned. So, um, Ali, if you want to fire away with the first of the top five and first person who's into your head, Ray, and a brief explanation. Okay, so Ray, who was the most skillful player that you ever played with? Uh, I don't know. Uh, very, very silky in the ball, uh, very energised on the ball, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with Paul Evans. Fair enough. Uh, and that's that's quite that's quite a coup for Paul Evans, given the given the yeah. players. Fair enough. Okay. Um, who out of all the players play with, coached? Uh, who's the brainiest player you've come across? I haven't been this part of your uh, Oh, have you not? Even better. This is good. You have watching the end, which is quite disappointing, but we'll leave it. <laughs> the most intelligent player. Uh, most intelligent player. Should narrow it down pretty quickly, I would have thought. I always thought Ollie Roth was a very intelligent player. Uh, I know it's easy to, to look at him and just see his goals, but he, he was always a very shrewd player. Uh, Clear at the centre halves that, at, uh, first of all, no, uh, making sure he didn't get kicked because a lot of people, especially in the eighties and nineties, people were out to kick him. So, uh, so he was very shrewd at, at taking up positions and and riding the challenge and understanding how football can be played. That because uh, believe it or not, you know, if, 
if Foley had stood his ground, he wouldn't have lasted nowhere near as long as he did. So, so he had to be very intelligent on the pitch. Yeah. Ray, Mr. Motivator now, this is like somebody who's great at pep talks. It could be, even if it's a manager, because you've played under some great managers in your time, or a player that you've coached or whatever it might be, but who would be the best at the pep talks? Uh, oh, it was like Ronnie's team talks. Ronnie's team talks were always very simple, so they were. And, uh, you know, it was, we used to go through like, the back four, just everybody keeping shape and the, the midfield keeping shape and, you know, breaking lines. And, uh, but, uh, so probably I spent most of the years under Ronnie. Like, you know, they were very simple. Uh, you know they weren't too, uh, weren't overly too tactical, which which uh, a lot of managers are. You know you'd be surprised. Uh, you know, especially in the in the nineties and early two thousands, I was saying you know coaching can be slightly overrated. You know it's a, it's about having uh, a lot of good players and players can work it out themselves. Uh, always like Alfie Stewart, Alfie Stewart when he was uh, when he was playing for Brown was uh, very professional, uh, understood, uh, was a really good Irish league player, uh, really strong mentally and physically. So, uh, yeah, we'll go with them too. Okay, so the penultimate one. Um, who had, over your career, who's had the best excuse for missing training? This, I suspect this is probably going to be more an Irish league one than a, than a time when you're playing professionally, but best excuse for missing training. And it could be could be somebody of coach in your area as well, obviously. I'm I have a feeling it might be. Well probably in the four down days it could have been uh, Philip Major. And um, Philip was a fantastic player. I think he's won nearly all the league titles with four down. Uh, I think he's got four league titles. But uh, and he I think he, he had a long, long career, but he never ever did a pre season. <laughs> and he always turned up about a week before pre season and you're going, how, how are you meant to play, Philip? And all of a sudden, we just slot in, whether it was a right back or centre back, and he could just, and the amount of training sessions that he would have missed. So, uh, probably Philip Mitchell in the book, uh, Philip Major in the four down days. Uh, in the Murray days, uh, geez, there's been a few in the last few years. Mark Laurie <laughs> was very good at missing training. Uh, for, for any amount of excuses, uh, Paddy Mooney was absolutely a world beater at missing training, uh, and uh, and matches as well. And matches. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Jimmy Walker could have missed quite a few training sessions, but always seemed to turn up at twenty past seven with work boots on. You know, uh, uh, so probably probably go with them. Brilliant. And the final one then was who was Mister Pass the Buck. So who who's the best at passing the buck during matches or training or whatever? Uh, uh, probably in the in the port round days it could have been uh, Timmy Dalton always used to come out, you know, goalkeeper and any time of going in you could see the T V cameras on and uh, Timmy Dalton would have come always running out with his hands up in the air, like you know, so there's some players quite intelligent of, of working out you know, if you do a certain thing, it, uh, <laughs> it, it deflects the blame a wee bit. Uh, so I'll go with Timmy Dolan. Here, here, 
Final question was, who would win a stirring contest, you or Roy Keane? Oh, uh, that's, a, that's a hard one. I think, uh, no, it's not. I think, I think, I think we'll go with Roy then. <laughs> right. Well, listen, thanks very much. You've been a super guest. As thanks you. so much. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Um, look after yourself and the family, and we'll see you again very soon. Hopefully, down the showgrounds with a match on. Thanks very much, Ray. Yes, Ray. Thanks so much. Good to see you. Yeah, yeah thanks, lad. Keep safe. Take Thank care. Bye bye.